0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You're listening to the top Press.com radio network. This should be played
1: at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Back at you here with another edition of Top Rope Nation, presented by TopRopePress.com. As always, I'm your host Ryan Drosty of Top Rope Press, joined here by the ravishing one himself, out of Cleveland, Ohio, Mr. Kyle Ross. How's it going, Kyle? I'm ravishing now. Wow,
0: that's quite a compliment. <laughs> I got to introduce you differently every week. That's my goal. Yes, yes, I, I've noticed that. I, I look forward to it every week. You know, you never know what you're gonna pull up. Yeah, <laughs> happy to be here. Lot to talk about. So it's been quite the week. It's actually been
1: quite the day here with some uh crazy wrestling news going on here Thursday afternoon. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But Kyle, I'm I'm in one of those moods like a couple of weeks ago when I talked about my refrigerator and my bar. I'm I'm kind of in a ranting mood right now. I don't okay. know if you can stand by for this. Strap yourself in, get ready.
0: Oh, uh, I'm ready.
1: I don't know where you're going. <laughs> This isn't in my format sheet, Tony. It has been a crazy week here for the website, for the pot, everything. So it started out, Backlash. If you're a reader of TopRopePress.com, first of all, thank you for coming to the website. Second of all, we are sorry for any outages you may have experienced over the weekend. Uh, We had just moved servers, and right as Backlash was starting up, right after I watched my Chicago Bears typically blow a game in the fourth quarter, as usual... I wasn't in the best mood, and then I see all these errors popping up on the website. Long story short, I spent the next at least six hours, maybe longer, Sunday trying to figure this out. It went into the day on Monday, finally got things up and running. So, If you're going to the site, it should be working smoothly now, but it was a stressful two days. And Then throughout the rest of the week, for those of you that don't know, I have a daughter. She's nine months old. I have not been getting much sleep. I think she's been going back to the whole newborn schedule lately. So I have been uh, waking up at all hours of the night, not getting a lot of sleep. And uh, as far as Raw and Smackdown goes this week, uh, I usually watch those when my daughter goes to bed, late at night, on the DVR. But this week it hasn't been has not been very much possible. So, uh, my my knowledge of Raw Smackdown this week, I watched it. I skimmed through it, but I didn't get to watch it in as much detail as I had hoped. And then today some allergies started hitting me. Kyle, I mowed my lawn last night. I woke up this morning and I felt like I took 100 dusty elbows to the middle of my forehead and my nose is just If I sound weird, that's why.
0: So, Fun fact. Fun fact about George <laughs> truly here. I've only mowed the lawn twice in my entire life. What? Yeah. How? Sister. How was that? Well, I guess you live in the city, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in a city. And uh, before that, I lived in the condo. So oh. it's, it's it's by design. It's to it, trust me. It's no accident that I've lawn only twice in my life. I think the last time I was 17, it was when my parents went on vacation. I intentionally did such a bad job that they <laughs> would never ask me again. I'm a horrible human being. I tease always, my wife about played, that.
1: I've always worked heel, as long as I can know. Yeah. I tease my wife about that because when we started dating, um, we had kind of a long distance relationship, and I would actually drive to her house during the middle of the week to mow her lawn for her. Oh my god! Yeah, I, well, I was looking to impress. Come on! Yeah, wow. Got to do what you got to do. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's true. Oh, I tease her. She hasn't she hasn't mowed a
0: lawn in at least six years. So okay, oh, it's sooner than I have. Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, it'd it'd be a struggle. I don't know. If you handed me a lawnmower and said, you know, get this going, you know, I might scratch my head a little bit. My new goal might be to get you to
1: come visit and mow my lawn for me. No, that's not going to happen.
0: (laughs) That sounds like (laughs) that sounds like an old world class angle or something like that, like the David (laughs) Von Erich, Jimmy Garvin thing, you know, where it's like, you know, (laughs) we'll wrestle. And if (laughs) I lose, like I have to like come out to like like, work on the yard, pull out the old John Deere brother. Yeah. what's that <laughs> pull out the old john deere brother you're going to work yeah yeah <laughs> well you well I, I can imagine me like roaming the fields there out there in iowa like hearing hay or whatever
1: that <laughs> i don't i don't live in the middle of a cornfield i actually <laughs> live in town but we could we could drive out in the country a ways and oh, drop yeah. you off and we'll let you just spend the day middle of nowhere, okay. dead. <laughs> <laughs> all right but on the positive side you guys i am going speaking of iowa i'm going to the nxt live event tomorrow night in Des Moines. Front row seats. Looking forward to it. If you're listening and you're in Des Moines, come say hi. I'll be wearing a Shinsuke Nakamura t-shirt. King of Strong Style. Old school. Not the, uh, not the new WWE t-shirt, but the old Ooh. New Japan OG. So that'll be me, hey, front row. Is this your first NXT show live? It is. I, okay. I had tickets to go to the Chicago show back in, I think it was in January. Uh, didn't work out. Had to sell those. So uh this is my first one. These these tickets are better though. I was shocked when I pulled front row. So Okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to yeah, that I've been to two here in
0: Cleveland. You've been to two, were, they, was Neither either of them were big deals. Oh, they're real good. I mean it, it was um you know, I had uh G A the one time and then another time I had a little better spot. And uh yeah, both times it was great. Actually the last time I was there I had a great spot, but um yeah, yeah, it was it was a good time.
1: I'm looking forward to seeing Nakamura, obviously. Um, never seen Samoa Joe live. Um, so I I know the roster has changed a lot since yeah. uh some of these NXT tours over the last year, but I think it'll be a good show, so
0: he had just come up to the um NXT. He had just he had just been signed. Uh, Joe, that is. Uh the first one I went to, the first of the two. And I, I remember thinking how surreal it was to see kind of Samoa Joe under the WWE banner. So yeah, it'll be a good time, man. Looking forward to hearing about it. I'll report back next week. Hopefully, my allergies
1: don't uh, prevent me from having a good time. I'm I'm going to get some sleep tonight, so we'll see how it goes. All right, so here's what we got to talk about. If you guys haven't seen the news, um, it came out today, Thursday, huh, around lunchtime. Uh, we got the article up on Top Row Press that last Thursday, a week ago, uh, there was a student at Seth Rollins Wrestling Academy uh, Here near Iowa in the Quad Cities, Iowa-Illinois border, Um, he's got a wrestling academy. It's called the uh, Black and the Brave Wrestling Academy. And apparently a student who I believe was on his first day there, he was from Buffalo, New York, and uh, he was complaining that he wasn't feeling well. So they told him to sit out. He didn't get any better. They decided they needed to call 911, and within the chaos... Um, he had a cardiac event and tragically died. Um, the story doesn't make it clear if he died while he was still at the wrestling academy or when they took him to the Genesis Medical Center in the Quad Cities. But either way, uh, a student died at Rollins Academy. And there's been a lot, I guess. There was some chatter, I guess, all week that something like this had happened, and the wrestling school confirmed it today, even though it happened a week ago. Now, I'm not as plugged into the old wrestling message boards and Reddit
0: like I used to be. Uh, Did you hear anything about this at all, Kyle? No, I didn't. It completely caught me off guard. As a matter of fact, I had assumed when I first saw you put it up that it had just, like, happened or something like that. And I was like, oh, I've heard nothing about it. Well, what is this? And... And then I when I was reading to the article, I was like, oh, wait, this happened last week. And like that one person said anything about it. That's I found that very odd. Yeah, that was, that was kind of my first
1: reaction, too, was, uh, well, it was kind of confusing because they said in the announcement last Thursday and today is Thursday. So uh, once I figured it literally was last Thursday, seven days ago, and the news didn't come out till today, then I realized, well, obviously, Rollins wasn't there because at the end of last week, he was on that massive overseas tour that wwe did through london and china and back so uh he wasn't there but not surprisingly there's some people in wrestling that want to place blame at seth rollins feet and which family do you think this comes from it could only be one the Hart family but not brett this time it's from smith Hart. kyle do you know anything about smith Hart?
0: He has a lot of bad takes sometimes.
1: <laughs> he, I believe he's the oldest Hart brother. One of the oldest he's older than Brett. Yes, I know that. Um, and let me just preface this by saying Brett Hart is my favorite professional wrestler of all time. I loved Brett Hart growing up. I've met Brett Hart. I had beers with Brett Hart for several hours one night back in 2008. One of the greatest nights of my life. My friends and I still talk about it. Uh, But I have found that Brett, for himself, has been kind of off base with his criticisms of Seth Rollins lately. And now to see another Hart brother stepping in, it kind of just blew my mind when I read this.
0: Go ahead. What were you going to say, Kyle? Yeah, I just wanted to jump in and say something. I know, uh, you know, the Hart family obviously has had its... you know, share of tragedy and stuff like that. So I guess I shouldn't joke about this, but still, I always remember when, when I was thinking about like how many kids there were, I always remember, remember that Bobby Heenan told that old joke once I went, so it's like, oh, there's 13 heart kids. And he's like, oh yeah, they had one of each. I, yeah. I always made always laugh. <laughs> yeah, Heenan was always good for some hard jokes. Yeah. So if you
1: haven't seen this, I thought I would read the statement on the air. Um, it's kind of long, so bear with me here, but this is what Smith- This is Smith Hart. Yes, this is what gonna Smith read, right? Hart wrote on his Facebook page. All right. Quote. Did it get any likes? Uh, I am not sure, actually. let me. You know, I could check here. Okay. Um, see, I want to see how many likes that his comment got. His page is facebook.com slash five. Yeah, I'm
0: clicking on the picture that you shared. For, I, you can't see the likes on that. I think I, I dropped that I'm out. I'm bizarrely obsessed with this. You know what? I'm not logged
1: into Facebook. He might have okay. closed up his page because I'm not actually able to see it now earlier i was when i took the screenshot for the website ah uh, yes the old
0: deleted post perhaps
1: uh, oh actually no i pulled it up now they, he has uh there was 193 likes or people some people have clicked the angry face on it uh, 117 shares and 105 comments oh wow so there's quite the debate going on. I see someone mm-hmm. posted a picture here of SummerSlam 97. We're going to talk about that in a second. <laughs> ah, ah. <I laughs> uh, it's terrible. Maybe we shouldn't laugh, but it's, yeah, it's ironic when fun. you hear what he out. wrote. Edit my laugh out, please, in the post-production. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, quote. This is what Smith Hart wrote on his Facebook page. He said, To the hardcore, diehard internet wrestling community, I must ask, when is enough enough? I know my brother Brett has taken the lead in this topic, but I truly do not feel this is getting enough attention. Seth Rollins is an absolute danger to the business. Reports are coming in or coming out that a wrestling student has died while training at Seth Rollins School in Illinois. I have trained students for over 40 years, and my family has trained some of the most well-known superstars of all time for more than 70 years. It's quite modest there. And never has a student even been seriously injured, let alone died. This is after numerous reports of his unsafe work in the ring. In the last year, Rollins has critically injured in the ring John Cena, Sting, Finn Balor, and even himself. Yet the hardcore audience stand by him as some sort of folk hero. Why? This, quote, performer, has limited charisma, limited personality, and absolutely minimal psychology. Does he do? <laughs> does he do fantastic high spots? Yes. And is he a magnificent CrossFit athlete? Absolutely. CrossFit Jesus, by the way. (laughs) But he is an absolutely horrible professional wrestler. That is just ridiculous. All right, we'll get to that in a second. The goal in professional wrestling is to make it look real without hurting anyone. But Rollins manages to do the opposite as he makes it look fake while critically injuring talented wrestlers. Keep in mind he's on this note after talking about someone dying from a cardiac incident. Take this buckle bomb, which is the cause of many of these injuries. A logical, rational human being would know that it would be physically impossible to shoot that move on anyone, let alone anyone three times the size of him, which most professional wrestlers would be. Perhaps he should follow his buddy CM Puck into the UFC to try shooting that move onto a Mickey Gall and see what happens. There is zero logic into his moveset, just high spots for the sake of high spots, and it is injuring people, ending careers, and now killing people. I understand that little is known about this death as it is in the early stages. Likely, it was more cardiovascular-related. But therein lies another issue. Rollins is a fantastic CrossFit athlete that trained for years to have the conditioning that he does. He can't logically expect everyone off the street to have that same conditioning right away, and logically would need to implement a more graduated conditioning system. But beyond that, why would anyone want to train under someone who has proven to be so reckless? With as many proven unqualified or which is with as many proven qualified wrestling schools and trainers in the world like Lance Storm, Santino Morella, Team 3D, Dory Funk, Tom Pritchard or Booker T, why would you waste your money and your health training under someone who has a higher risk of injuring you than advancing your career? And finally, to Seth Rollins, if you read this, take consideration of the people you are working with and learn to work safely or give up and find another profession, end quote. Smith Hart, your thoughts, Kyle?
0: Well, first off, if you Google Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, there is a thread that comes up that says, "Don't ever attend Black and Brave if you consider becoming a pro wrestler." So that's not a good sign. Uh, two, this is just like so bad that Smith Hart would do it's like it, it's like such a what do they call it, like a straw man kind of argument where like he basically admits, like, when he goes into the part, oh, well, you know, I know not a lot is known about this, and it's cardiovascular, but, you know, let me just, like, beat on Seth, you know, let me just rip on Seth Rollins. And, like, there are some legitimate criticisms of Rollins' work. You know, they do need to retire that power bomb spot, especially because it just uses a transition move anyway, and, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't get a fall. I I just think in that regard, uh, it's kind of pointless, so they, they probably should do away with it. I just think that this like but to equate that with, you know, someone dying and when you don't know any of the facts and I don't know any of the facts other than what's in the article. So I'm not going to speculate or comment. It's just very irresponsible by S- Smith Hart. I just found it, it funny. The Hart how... brothers in general sometimes go off a deep end and make no sense. Not Brett, but the, other, you know, Bruce has been known to do similar things as well.
1: Well, I mean, as you, you heard there in the statement, he talks out. Here he starts out talking about what happened with the death and then 3 fourths of his little column here is about why Seth Rollins sucks at wrestling and I'm just going to bash him now for like 200 words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has nothing at all to do with the death, which by the way Seth Rollins was not even there when it happened, but Smith Hart is saying this is somehow <laughs> Seth Rollins fault even though he's on the other side of the planet
0: when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> Although it does seem when you when you read into this Black in the Brain of Wrestling Academy Seth Rollins not being there seems to be a commonly cited issue uh, with, with, for, uh, in the complaint section. Well, I mean, I think he's there more than Shawn
1: Michaels was at his old wrestling academy. Oh, the Texas wrestling
0: academy. Well, yeah, Shawn was having some issues at that time. So,
1: But at the same time, how if you sign up for that academy and you think you're getting daily training from Seth Rollins... You might need to learn a little bit more about the wrestling business when the guy's
0: on the road 5 days a week right now. Like yeah, well, how much that, time can he spend there? Yeah, that, that that was also a popular response in the uh, you know, uh, on the thread to the person who complained. That's like, you know, I'm not going to repeat it, but there was a lot of effing idiot. You yeah. You are <laughs> in that. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to dissect in this, in this statement from Smith Hart. Overall, I I completely disagree with what he said about Rollins as having limited charisma. The guy's one of the best performers in wrestling right now, Uh, limited personality and minimal psychology. I, I don't agree with any of that, but Smith Hart says he is quote, an
0: absolutely horrible professional wrestler. Yeah, that's just, it was just like totally out of bounds. It was just kind of like, you know, you hate to say this about somebody. Um, but it just seemed like Smith Hart wanting to go off on Seth Rollins and using the, it was just very needless. You know, I would say. Ninety five percent of that Facebook post was very needless. And then he goes on to talk about, oh, maybe you should follow his buddy CM Punk into the UFC.
1: OK, oh, okay. what the heck does that have to do with anything right now?
0: Yeah, I don't know. that's that's bad. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, what is that even oh, because he injured you like yeah, see what it's like to get injured or something like that? I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on, I, they do need to retire the. Would you agree though? I think they do need to. I mean, if it was a meaningful spot, okay, I could see them like maybe still using it um, to get near falls. But as a just as a transition spot, that power bomb because it you know it has. I mean, that move specifically has injured two guys in major matches. That that probably should be retired, right?
1: I agree. I mean, no one's okay. taking no one's taken that move because uh, you know no one's no one is taking the move. Unless they agree to it, um, that's
0: also true. Yes, they're not. Yeah, it's not forcing. And it, it give me freak. I mean, there are a lot of times that guys get hurt. I mean, you know, the thing is now guys don't work as hurt as they used to. Yeah, that's something that you have to remember. I mean, guys, you know, going back to like the late '80s, it was unbelievable the stuff they would um, work through because you know the contracts were so different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so interesting. Have we talked about this on the show? How they, the irony of them getting rid of the curb stomp because you know how you know the name of it and how it looks and the connotation yet you know Rollins is doing that move which actually has hurt two people and the curb stomp's not gonna hurt anybody ever
1: well they supposedly retired the curb stomp because Vince thought oh my god my grandchildren could do this move what would happen how many moves in wrestling is there that you could say that about they got the tombstone pile driver Where they drop someone flat on their head. Which, by the way, speaking of Smith Hart. And he's talking about injuring people in wrestling. Love Owen Hart. Not going to say anything bad about a guy who was um, taken from us way too early. But Owen Hart, his own brother, hurt someone badly. Which ended up shortening the career of Steve Austin because of a poorly executed pile driver. Which makes this whole statement from Smith all the more ironic. But... Yeah, to your point, there's so many moves in wrestling you could do to someone and physically hurt them. I don't I don't know why. Uh I I still think banning the curb stomp was a terrible move. I I, I hate seeing Rollins use the pedigree. The curb stomp was an awesome finish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean the only thing with the pedigree is in the direction you think they're going in as it will lead to a feud with triple h at least there's something mm-hmm. there but i mean you probably could have done that feud even without seth doing the pedigree
1: well and how dangerous is that move here i'm gonna pin your arms up behind your back and drop you on your face could his grandchildren do that
0: i mean it's just as dangerous so did somebody like when triple h was like f- like like in his first two years did somebody get hurt by the pedigree did somebody
1: take that move wrong he used to do it a lot differently, like when he, when he first started using the move, he wouldn't, uh, when he first started using the move, he would release the arms on the way down, but lately he holds them like the whole way. I think he's kind of
0: changed the way he does the move. I, I like really, I think like, yeah, Marty Garner, yes. A job guy? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was a job guy. I, you know, some people said it was on him and he just didn't take the move the right way, but still, like, I mean, you know, it was an injury, nevertheless. Yeah. It's not like rollins intended to injure yeah you know the guys or mm-hmm. either so
1: so anyways yeah it's it's a mess right now but uh as far as what we know now we don't know a whole lot but right now to place any blame at seth rollins, yeah that's so ridiculous so he did throw out uh cm punk in this conversation so let me use that as a transition did you see the punk mickey golf fight
0: yeah what'd you think one good <laughs> Wasn't good. Here's what I thought. I was going. The I, first two minutes of this show went
1: a lot better than the first two minutes did for Punk. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it wasn't really a surprise. We talked about it last week. Neither of us picked Punk to win. I mean, but well, you got to give the guy credit for at least giving it a go. Should he ever fight in UFC again? Probably not. He should probably fight in a, a smaller organization where there's less eyeballs on the fight. Uh, but at the same time, I thought there was one thing that was spectacular about the fight. Actually, just awesome. Do you know what that was? It was the entrance of Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall came out to the old one-hit wonder song, Oh Mickey, You're So Fine, You're So Fine, You Blow My Mind. And I thought that was amazing.
0: There was some... Controversy yeah. over whether
1: or not he was going to be allowed to use that. Dana White was, was not really- going to allow him to use it, but then there was an uproar online because the word got out he wanted to use it, and White said no. So UFC was bombarded with all these comments from people, "Let him use it! Let him use it!"
0: And finally, Dana White gave in. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> that sounds
1: that, perfect that for his entrance.
0: The way you just said that, because like the buddy of mine who was sharing this information about, oh, UFC doesn't want him to come out to that song, is like the kind of like person who would like bombard UFC. So.
1: Anyways, I didn't know much about Mickey Gall before the fight, but after watching it, his uh, his little interview in the ring or the octagon afterwards, I'm a fan. I'm looking forward to seeing that guy fight again.
0: He could be a star. He's got a ton of charisma. So, Yeah, He's, I mean, it helped him a lot. And, yeah. you know, while Punk professionally, it was, you know, let's be honest, pretty disastrous. I mean, it was about as bad a performance as I've seen in the octagon really ever. Yeah. And I don't think it's a stretch to say that. It was one of the worst performances by... Uh, you know, a fighter on a major UFC show ever. It's it just was. Um, given his level of experience, that really shouldn't be that surprising for Punk. Uh, but you know, financially he did well off of it, so you can't fault the guy there. Um, I'm in the if I can piggyback off somebody and totally in the Meltzer school about you know not being at all up in arms over what he made for the show because if he can track the eyeballs, it's funny that people are like oh maybe he should go fight this being Punk should go fight somewhere where there's less people you know, watching and he, he, I think you just referenced less. I was to me. The whole thing is, and you know, UFC, he, he was so bad that I think UFC would, shouldn't use him again, but if he can attract curiosity, then, you know, that's the name of the game in UFC. Yeah. It, it's, it's, you know, pro wrestling with undetermined outcomes. I don't so, think I, I a mean, second he's the one fight who drew, you, you know, that show was, you know, right down the road here for me in Cleveland and Stephen Miocic, obviously locally was the big draw, but on a national pay-per-view basis, it was actually CM Punk. So it was I, a success yeah. for UFC as a one-off. As a one-off
1: is the key, because I don't think a second CM Punk fight would do
0: yeah, anything. Yeah, I mean, when you're that bad, I mean, what's yeah. he going to say? Yeah, well, I'm going to get better. Well, it's like, Jesus, I hope you would. I mean. Yeah, he's
1: slimmed down a lot. I mean, he looked a lot different from his wrestling days. And honestly, I think Punk looks a little bit better with more meat on his bones. I, was, I thought he looked a lot older personally. I mean, I know it's been a couple of years since he's been in the wrestling business, but he was very thin
0: for his Does frame. That result in any way diminish a potential comeback if there were to be one and it right now it's looking slim uh to WWE for Punk in your eyes?
1: Uh I don't think too much, honestly. I don't think wrestling fans care too much that he yeah. lost. I mean, a little bit, maybe, in the short term, but in the long term, people forget. I mean, we, we could have said the same thing with Brock and the steroid test and anything, and people didn't care. Yeah. So, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think he's going to WWE anytime soon. I think New Japan Ring of Honor is a possibility if he wants to get back in the ring, but that lawsuit's going to be a big obstacle yeah. for a
0: long time. Well, you know, the, the, interest of the it's interesting who Vince brings back and who he doesn't, if you look at Vince's history. Yeah. You know, I mean some of the guys that he's been in the fiercest battles with, uh he winds up working with again. Hogan, you know, he guy worked with he worked with Eric he brought Eric Bischoff in for three years.
1: Yeah. I mean the word with punk though is that uh people backs when he left WWE the word was people were not disappointed that he really wasn't getting along with anyone backstage.
0: Yeah, I, I had heard some things that he was getting pretty difficult to deal with. He was one of the guys who you always had to placate.
1: Yeah, uh, so I don't know if anyone show. in the company is really pining for him to come back at this point. But I mean, yeah. it, would, it would spice up the product, that's for sure. But yeah, so it was. If he interesting won, weekend. it would have made
0: him more attractive to bring back. I can say that for sure.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. So he says he's going to fight again. We will see. We'll see where that's at. Um, but otherwise. Last night, finals of the Cruiserweight Classic. I did have a chance to watch that show straight through live. Thought it was a really good show. Um, we had three matches in the tournament, two semifinal matches in the final, and then we had a tag team match thrown in, so there could be a little bit of a break before the final match. Uh, out of the the two semifinal matches, so we had the Grand Metallic match uh, taking on Zack Sabre. We had TJ Perkins taking on Kota Ibushi. Out of those two, I mean, how would you grade those, Kyle? Which one was
0: the highlight for you? Oh, for sure, Ibushi and uh, Perkins. I mean, that was, I thought, one of the top five WWE matches of the year. If you wouldn't have said that match, I might have had to fire you. Okay. Wow. <laughs> very harsh today. Okay. Um, I was actually kind of shocked when you were asking me the question. I was like, is this up for debate? I mean, the uh, Metallica Sabre was very good, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I just thought the world of that Perkins uh Obushi semifinal. I I would say um that with Obushi Alexander and then um Cena Styles, Nakamura Zane, maybe Styles reigns the first one in the April pay-per-view, what was that? Payback? Yeah. Those might be the five best. And and Owens uh Zane too. The, those are like the six matches I'd say so far this year in WWE, I would consider giving like four and a half stars or above. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I thought it was an awesome match, TJ and Abushi. Um, I think going into the show, we knew, did we talk about this on the show last week? I don't know. We kind of knew who was probably going to end up in the finals just based upon who had signed. I think, uh, right up to the end, if Abushi had agreed to sign,
0: he would have won it. Uh, yes. That, that was, I think they wanted him to sign and they wanted him to go over, but, uh, yeah, he did for whatever reason, he just didn't want to commit
1: full-time. Yeah, so, I mean, he could do some spot shows for New Japan again. Uh, but he's talked about he wants to be a free agent. He wants to work here and there and kind of make his own schedule. So more power to
0: him. Uh, yeah, go ahead. They did do the right thing by having both Saber and Ibushi lose in the semifinals. Yeah, Because if they had one of them won, I think it would have telegraphed the finish of the final too much. Although, I'll be honest with you. I was leaning pretty strong to Perkins going into the show and I was leaning even significantly more to him going into the final. Like I, I I, I had kind of seen that he's a guy they had earmarked. So um, he, he had pulled what people thought were upsets, um, you know, in the previous rounds when he beat Gargano, when he beat rich Swan. And I don't think the sharp money quote unquote was on Perkins in those matches. So clearly they saw something. Uh, there's a story to be told there. And if they can get Abushi signed full-term, I mean, that's kind of a ready-made match, Abushi coming back to avenge that loss. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what the story is to be told. This is what ran through my head as I watched TJ Perkins hold the trophy in the belt last night. How stupid is TNA Wrestling? How many—think about all the guys that they have had under contract over the years— and never broken through as a true number number two company in the United States. I mean, I think it's Ring of Honor, for sure, is the number two company in the United States right now. With Evolve getting up there, TNA is just such damaged goods. But Perkins was in TNA for years and years and years. And, uh, you know, he'd, he'd make appearances here and there. Finally, they give him a, a character. He did that suicide deal. He, did, he was manic for a while. But he was never a big star there. They had AJ there, they had Samoa Joe there for years, Christopher Daniel, all these guys, all the talent. Think about if you had all those guys on the roster right now, or even five years ago,
0: what they could have been as a true alternative, just a complete waste. So So you know what the tipping point was for TNA? Because I used to actually be quite a bit into TNA, and by used to be, I mean, this was over 10 years ago. Same. Same. Okay. So they had that great three-way and this was 2005, mm-hmm. I think. Unbreakable 2005. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad that, <laughs> yeah, you can remember. You you know the one with Styles, Joe and, and Daniels. And it really looked like they were going to be this great alternative. They had some of the top guys. They were and then they chose the wrong path. This was they right when Nash WWE light. In. Yep. When they started, they started bringing Nash Bischoff. off. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. When when Hogan and Bischoff came in, that was a disaster. There's just no other way to say it. How just awful that was. Mm-hmm. That was just so horrible. What a disaster decision. But even before that, you know, just keeping Jeff Jarrett, who has never, I'm sorry, uh, justified being a top guy in a major promotion. Yeah, that's not to say he's a terrible performer because he's not. He's done some good work throughout his very long career, but he's never been a guy who should be on top of a major promotion. He just shouldn't. And. um you know, there was that. And then, you know, I love Christian, but it just again, it comes off as WWE light when you bring him in and act like it's the second coming when the reality was he was a mid-card guy in WWE, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like bringing Jack Swagger over to SmackDown from Raw and expecting me to care. For yeah. <laughs> yeah, for instance.
1: Oh, man. Other than that, SmackDown was a great show this week, I thought. But uh yeah, Very well, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just so much easier to watch than Raw these days. Uh so yeah, TNA. I, I think TNA just to finish that thought, as we go off on this tangent like we tend to do. Uh, TNA, yeah, they dropped the ball at the X division, and that's when it became a, not a true alternative in WWE. Light. I think I always thought Kevin Nash really buried the company when he came in and started getting involved with the X division guys,
0: and that really. At, after some that point, nobody Alex really cared. Shelley segments were funny. I there were some funny, uh, funny but segments overall. Yeah. yeah, overall, you're right. It was it was more a net bad than good. And then those segments about Shelley had like, they weren't things that were going to draw eyeballs or money. I mean, when you're referencing, you know, like the blue brothers, Shawn Michaels fight in Madison square Garden from 96, mm-hmm. you're basically making 10 people. One of them, me laugh really hard, but you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't really do anything for your bottom line. And you know, Kevin Nash, who he's a guy who I could deal with, you know, not hearing a comment from him on the state of the business. The, uh, uh, really forever. Yeah. So, yeah I, I saw he weaseled his way in. To uh, comment on CM Punk, I just yeah. Kevin. What's so disappointing about him is he's a sharp guy. Yeah. Yet he's done so many damaging things to various promotions, and you almost wonder if he does them on purpose.
1: Well, Kevin Nash makes it pretty clear his his main alternative was to make money. And if he say anything about his career and he was a bad wrestler, he'll talk about well, how much money do I have? So I mean, that was his main goal. That's all he really cared about. I didn't he? Didn't really yeah. care about. Making the business successful for the long haul. How's your territory story doing? Yeah, right. Yeah. So, yeah, Nash, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you the best segment Nash had with Alex Shelley. The, my favorite quote from that whole thing that I laughed at was uh, when he was talking about when he was the champion in 95, worst strong WWF champion of all time at that point. And uh, he talked about, uh, oh, I had 30,000 people hanging from the rafters in Madison Square Garden. And Alex Shelley was like, does the garden even see 30,000 people? And Nash goes,
0: it did that night. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I mean, that's good. I mean, see again, the guy's like so self-aware, but he's like basically like he's mocking what a horrible drawing champion he was. And he was the worst drawing champion when that title meant something like now. It doesn't really mean that like, you know, the, the brand just draws the, the reality as much as I like the two guys who are the uh, respective world champions. Now, it doesn't really matter that much. But when Kevin Nash was champion, it mattered a lot, and business absolutely tanked yep. under him. Yeah, and so like he's joking about it, like, "Oh, oh, oh this is so funny." It's like, well, "You sucked. You were the worst one-year world champion of all time." Like, I hate Pedro <laughs> Morales matches. Like, I can't. Like, I think they're just unbearable to watch. But at least he drew money in the seventies.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, anyways, to bring this f- full circle back,
1: back to TJ Perkins, he is going to. Carry the cruiserweight championship, the new cruiserweight championship, onto Raw this coming week. Uh, I guess they're starting the division this week, right? Yep. Yeah. In Memphis. Right. So they've got, what, 10, 10 guys on the roster for the division?
0: Yep. Trying to remember. That's – I agree that you need to do kind of a slow rollout. You don't want to, like, just throw a bunch of guys on TV at once and start doing 10-man tags and not one guy gets over. Mm-hmm. Um, so – yeah, I, I hope they give them some vignettes and whatnot. You know, basically, I just hope they replicate what they do with the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. Which, you know, I said it last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. I know I said it on this program, and I'll say it again, is by far, in a way, the greatest tournament ever produced by the WWE. It's not even close. Like, I try to think, like, almost every tournament they've done, whether it be a one-night tournament like WrestleMania 4 or... You know, a King of the Ring that got stretched over um, a couple weeks on Raw, and they would only do the semis and the finals on the pay-per-view. I know they did that a few times in the mid-90s. Um, almost every tournament they tried has been really bad. It just It's featured lazy booking and not many good matches. And this was not that. This was clean finishes in every match. Everything got time. Multiple people got over. Uh, it was great. just blew away any other tournament ever done by WWE. I never thought they would do a Super J Cup style tournament. I was told people that, you know, never expect WWE to do something resembling the 94 Super J Cup. And they did by God.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot to compete with. Uh, <laughs> like you said, WrestleMania four was, was pretty awful for a tournament. Uh, Survivor Series 98. Uh, well, I, I guess I like the finish of that with the rock, you know, his first big heel run as champion, but uh, King of the Rings over the years, not a lot of really memorable King of the Rings outside of, the first one where, speaking of the hearts, Bret Hart had some great matches in that tournament. Um, what, he had like three matches? That was in Ohio, by the way. Were you at that show, King of the Ring 93? I was not.
0: I was at a nearby basketball camp, though, at Mount Union, ironically.
1: Uh, well, that was a great show. Um, yeah, Bret, you know, carried that. Three great matches on the same show. Won the first King of the Ring that was on pay-per-view. They had been doing the tournament house shows for years going back to the 80s. Uh, but yeah, I can't think of any, I can't think of any tournaments that could compare to this one. I hope they keep doing it year after year. I think this is a, a triple H idea. I, I'm not sure Vince McMahon really cares for tournaments as we've seen over the years
0: with them not being very good. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a really great point by you. You hit the nail on the head. Why this one was so much
1: better. (laughs) Well, people (laughs) always talk about, you know, how come the WWE tag team division sucks? Well, it's because Vince McMahon doesn't like tag team wrestling. That's a fact that's been talked about many times. So I think with the tournaments, maybe that's why. Maybe he just doesn't put much emphasis on it because he doesn't care. But this was clearly a Triple H deal through and through. Yes. And he made sure you knew about that too right you know, before the fun. Yeah, yeah he came out it kind of took a little bit of the spotlight and some criticism
0: for that, but it was okay. I mean, he did, I I would have laughed had he just like pedigreed somebody and like, you know, said bit him, you know. But, <laughs> I'm taking his I think he should, I think he should have done that like a Nash like move just like, you know, just to troll everyone. It did not really happen like just like, you know, pedigree one guy or to pedigree them both <laughs> and then just put one guy on top. Oh man. I choose you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they uh well, Here's the thing. So you got the cruiser rates going to raw raw continues to get more and more deep with the roster. You have all these guys on raw, whether it's Metalik, they got Jack Gallagher, who I think is awesome. Me and my buddy, Justin talk about him a little bit. We think that guy's a star in the making. I just love the whole character. Mm -hmm. Gargano, obviously, uh, Cedric Alexander, Brian Kendrick, who's a great veteran to have on that roster. TJ, of course, some of the
0: highlights of the 10 Tazawa. it's it's there's got there's a lot to look forward to but Champa, I just, yeah I mean yeah I mean it should be I mean if you can do what if you can basically replicate what they did here where you introduce them with video packages um go over stuff and if you reference the cruiserweight classic like you know hey maybe this guy beat this guy or this guy made it to this this far and this guy only made it this far you know if you treat it like it's something that you know happened and mattered I think it can work yeah uh you know I I wrote Last night on the site, you know, just kind of a little bit of a, a very, very brief history of WWE and Cruiserweight, its initial Cruiserweight division, which was not good at all. Uh, I think this one will be much better. Yeah, I agree. It was kind of a joke when they tried it before. It was... Uh... Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, it, it almost felt like they were just doing it when, like, when, they very, when they did it, pardon me, when they did it the very first time, like initially in like 97, it almost seemed like it was the one time in history where vince was just like okay i guess this other company's doing this and we're just gonna do it Mm -hmm. just because yeah it never got off the ground i mean they um you know they brought kai and tai over from michinoku pro and that you know quickly turned into a disaster so yeah with choppy choppy or (laughs) pp oh my god
1: that is up there with the old day as one of the worst segments in wwe history so Overall, to wrap it up here with the WWE talk this week, Kyle, uh, I just wanted to hit on how much better SmackDown was than Raw this week and how it continues to be despite Raw having overwhelmingly the talent advantage. It's just we talked about it at length many weeks that it's the show's too long. But did you think outside of uh, Jack Swagger's return, SmackDown was a pretty good show
0: this week? Oh, it was great. And it's the two hours is a big help, but the key is when you watch SmackDown, even if like the perfor- individual performer isn't one of your favorites, it feels that they have a clear and understandable direction, which is all I ask for on a wrestling show. It's like, what is this person doing? What is their short-term goal? What is this building to? And it's clear, it's concise, it's obvious with SmackDown. I wrote about this this morning with no mercy you know, backlash just took place on Sunday, and this No Mercy, which is in four weeks from now or whatever, you can kind of pretty much figure out what the card's going to be just off one SmackDown. Yeah. With Clash of Champions shows two weeks away, and going into Monday they had the main event, and that was it. Yeah. I mean, you could tell some of this stuff. I mean, you know, again, you could tell some of the stuff, but th- they made it so convoluted. I mean, all the championship pictures uh, on Raw are really muddled and and kind of bad the way that that they're booked. Um, You know, they they tease you with the triple threat title match and don't deliver that. So if you're a casual viewer, you're supposed to be like, Oh, I guess this Owens Rollins match is just sort of, you know, what we've got now, you know, that's not the way I feel, but you know, I mean, if you're of just a normal viewer, you, it could be treated like that, where it's kind of like your, you know, your consolation prize. If you're supposed to be cheering Roman Reigns, alleged number one baby face in the company, the women's booking has been a disaster since SummerSlam. They don't they have no long term goal there. They're confused. And then the tag team picture has kind of been ruined by that old day segment. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I mean it's night and day.
1: Look at, it. I just think that AJ title one is, did so much for the show this week. It felt fresh. I thought the uh, the interview with Ambrose and AJ uh, in the ring with Cena. You had Cena that was very good. It was so good. You had Cena with a little bit of an edge to his character for the first time in a long time. You know, Cena's always decent on the mic, but he comes out and it's just like, oh yeah, there's John Cena's. There's there's his trademark lines. It's kind of goofy, but this week he had he had a little bit of an edge to him wanting to. He mentioned tying Ric Flair's record here in the future, uh, so he's definitely going after the title. I like the segment a lot. He went after Dean Ambrose, talked about how uh, maybe Steve Austin was right when he talked about all of his criticisms of Dean Ambrose. So, yeah, overall the show was really good. And I gotta point out when we were talking a couple, well, this is last week, and we were trying to predict what was gonna happen in the uh, in the uh, SmackDown Women's Championship match, and we both agreed. Becky Lynch was probably going to go over, but do you recall who I said I would choose as my second choice? I said, Alexa bliss.
0: Yeah. And she looked good in that match Sunday.
1: Yeah. She looked really good. And then on SmackDown too. And even on uh if you watch the post show, I actually watched that last night after the cruiserweight classic. I went back and watched talking smack heard. She was pretty good on there. Watched that. Yeah. She, she really hits that heel character out of the park. I thought. And, uh, we talked about maybe it'd be too soon for her to have a run with the title here in the coming months, but I think she is something fresh. I think she's doing a really good job. Her wrestling skills are getting better, so Alexa Bliss is still my, my pick as one of the divas of the future. Yeah, I think you
0: used the right word, fresh. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wrote at some point during the week that it was, uh, the way that match was booked on Sunday, it was a good thing that they didn't have Becky pin either Alexa Bliss or Natty cuz those are probably the two uh heels that she'll be working with in the immediate future and you want to have sub intrigue in those matches and then the decision to have Bliss be the one get the first title shot was good because you know Natty just kind of seems like she's she has been there for a long time and that would just kind of be a retread kind of situation yeah. uh Alexa Bliss knew hey this is this feels fresh so yeah it was it was the right thing to do the the Smackdown women you know they may not have the bigger names on that side but you know the six man or the six woman last week the six pack challenge at backlash and then the five way on smackdown this week all pretty good matches yeah i'm enjoying the smackdown women's roster a lot more than the raw roster and i never would have thought that a couple of mm-hmm. months ago when we had the draft well, the raw but, one's just so frustrating yeah. that they don't know what they're doing they've got all these stars and they're just you know booking themselves into holes that oh. they are you know not going to be able to get out of Yeah. So
1: we'll see what happens this week, but uh, overall, SmackDown has been the, uh, to me, it's been the premier show. It nearly caught Raw in the ratings and the viewership department and the cable yeah. rating this week, so it's getting... Yeah, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, Raw had a horrible week, but SmackDown was close to topping it for the first time, so we'll see if that
0: continues or not. Let me ask you this. How much of that, because the obvious knee-jerk reaction is, well, Raw's got football to contend with now. And SmackDown doesn't go up opposite any football, uh, you know, for most of the year there, it, it won't. There's a few uh, late in the year, Tuesday night college football games. You know, I've, I'm in the heart of Mac country and I know the Mac will get some games in November, but that's not going to draw any eyeballs away from pro wrestling by any means. Is it as simple as football or is there something to what we've been talking about that SmackDown has been a better book show recently?
1: I think football has a little bit of an impact, but like we said last week, it you know, everyone's saying this week, oh, they went against Monday Night Football, and it might be because it was the first Monday Night Football game, and we'll see less of an impact throughout the season, because I tracked the ratings closely last year, all last fall, and Monday Night Football did not have a massive effect on Raw. Uh, the College Football National Championship didn't have a massive effect on Raw, but this week, Raw dropped a lot. I don't know if it's because the show has been so poor lately. SmackDown, I think, yeah, SmackDown's trending up because it is a better book show. I think people are catching on. People like the two-hour format. Uh, I think word's going to get around. They've got some star power on the show with CNNL on the show recently. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think it's because it's a better book show that SmackDown has been ticking up.
0: Yeah. Personally. And, and Raw or not Raw, pardon me, Monday Night Football, it was unique last week, and they have the doubleheader on week one, so they have a 7 o'clock start time and a ten fifteen start time. So, you know, maybe that did have a little bit more of an impact because, okay, you know, Raw's third hour's getting ready to go well, a, new, a second football game's coming on, the first one was a blowout. I mean, that, that needs to be talked about, too. That was not a very competitive game, that first one, although it started, it got the hour head start on Raw. You know, that was a game, unless if you're a diehard Steelers or Redskins fan, you probably gave up on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. So yeah, I will. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see how the, uh, how the second week of Monday night football impacts raw. And if raw does have open up a big spread over SmackDown again, but I I like it close. I want to see SmackDown overtake raw and see what that does to the raw product so well with that being said we're actually going to wrap up this edition of the show uh, we've got to run so we will catch you all next week again with another edition of top rope nation i do want to mention as always give this a little cheap plug here if you're listening on itunes hit that subscribe button that helps us rank higher on the sports podcast list helps the show grow like I said, last week we'll be releasing a Top Rope Nation t-shirt, Kyle, here within the next couple of weeks. I did see a mock-up of the shirt. It's looking really good, especially if you are a fan of old-school pro wrestling. That's my tease Oh, for you. and I am. Yes. So what do you know? I like t-shirts, too. So you get a cool t-shirt, and you can show your love and support for the show. We'll have details maybe next week on that. Um, so, again, you can follow us on Twitter, at Top Rope Press. Uh, he is at TRP Kyle. I am at Historical Ryan. And we will catch you all next week.